How's the Christmas shopping going? <laughs> Tell me. I want to know how intentional you are in your shopping. How many of you bought a gift this past January for this Christmas? Anybody out there bought a gift in January? Oh, quite a few. All right. People plan ahead. How many are pretty much done with their Christmas shopping? All right. Very good. Excellent. These people are very intentional about Christmas shopping. And that's a wonderful thing. We're intentional about things that are important to us. We need a plan. The most important thing, though, in our lives, and that is our relationship with God, few Christians have a plan for, have a detailed plan in terms of how they're going to grow, how God is going to lead them, the structure that they put things against, how they anticipate, uh, how they, they build disciplines into their lives in order to grow in the Lord. And that's what we want to talk about today. We've been talking about emotional, healthy spirituality. It's been a campaign initiative uh, that we've been going through. Today we're going to be talking about Jesus can redirect your priorities, help you put a plan together in the curriculum. Uh, we're studying uh, developing a rule of life. And this is a campaign we've had throughout our church. I'm teaching Pete Scazzario's curriculum. or reading his book as well as the small group's biblically-based curriculum that helps us to center more on God in our lives and to be emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. When you put those two things together, that creates a revolution in your life. Let's talk about the seven pathways that we've been discussing or talking about over the last seven weeks. Know yourself that you may know God. Going back in order to go forward. Journey through the wall. Engage your soul through grief and loss. Discover the rhythms of the daily office and Sabbath. Grow into an emotionally healthy, mature adult. And today, go to the next step to develop a rule of life. Now, this is the most important step that we need to talk about because you've got to work this into your life. You've got to have a plan to apply some of the things that we've been talking about, to make it a part of your daily life in order that you might grow deeper in your relationship with God. Oz Guinness, who is a famous Christian writer, has written a book called The American Hour. And it's adapted here some of the things that he observes about American culture and about the American Church And what he says about American culture is that we're all about information, information overload. Convenience is so much a part of our culture. Options. Uh, we want time maximization. Overloaded. and We're anxious, so we want to maximize our time. Uh, we want comfort. No doubt about that. Uh, we want to feel good. That's kind of our mantra, right? We want to feel good. And, of course, bringing happiness. He goes on and says that we're very independent as Americans. Uh, we're really focused on entertainment. We're on instant gratification. We're very skeptical about authority, image and style. Beauty is very important. We are very into control. And what this leads to is narcissism. It's all about me. It's all about making my life better 
accomplishing my goals, doing the things that I want to do. It's not about God's will. It's about my will. We're narcissistic. Our culture leads us in that particular direction. And there's two powerful forces that are keeping us from following God in the way that He would desire. The first is ourselves. In the sense that we have a sinful nature. A desire to do what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. So that's the primary problem. And you have another problem that you have Satan who wants us to do what God doesn't want us to do. He wants us to disobey. And so therefore, he's created this culture that we live in. He's the one who designed it. And he's saying, I want you to fill your life with all of these different things. I want you to be distracted. Satan isn't worried about us getting involved in big sins like robbery and other types of things. No, he just wants to distract us from God. He wants us so busy surfing the Internet and involved in all different types of activities and entertainment. and He wants us to fill our lives to the brim so we have no time for God. That's his goal. And I know he's been successful in my life at different times in doing that. It's a real struggle because that's what we want. We want to be narcissistic. We want to focus on ourselves. And Satan is many times successful in doing that. Well, there have been other times in cultures where there's been a crisis in the church. That's really what we have as a church crisis is because we have so many people attending church in the United States, but their spiritual depth is so little. They're just kind of showing up, but not really engaging with God. Back in 300 A.D., when Constantine made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire. You had to be a Christian. It was part of the law. So that was the worst thing that could have happened because what you had is you had all these pagans and their traditions and their beliefs, and they brought all of that into Christianity and therefore diluted Christianity. And people who were really serious about seeking after God just couldn't stand it anymore. So what they decided to do is we got to remove ourselves from the culture. So they went out into the wilderness, sometimes as hermits, but that didn't work out too well because it's unhealthy to live by yourself. Uh, so what they would do is they would create alternative communities. Pachamus is one of the first people that created a community and created a plan of how this community would live in a godly way, that they would spend time in worship, they would spend time working, they would spend time resting, they would spend time praying. And that was their reaction against this very godless culture that they lived in. They pulled out. So we've decided that on January 1st, we're all going to move up to the north uh, part of Michigan, up there in the north woods, and we already bought some land there, and uh, that's where we're going to pull out. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not real practical, is it? But what we can do is we can look back at some of these early communities and really communities throughout the centuries and said, what did these people do 
to try to center in on God. What practices did they participate in in order to make God the center of their lives? Now, we can learn from those, like we've talked about the Sabbath. We've talked about the daily office. We've talked about silence and solitude. Those are three different things that we've learned just from some of their practices in regards to helping us center on God in the midst of this very busy culture and sinful culture. And friends, it's just going to get worse. You look at some of the reality shows today, and I like some of the reality shows, but there are some that you just look at and say, what is going on with that? Like Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. What is that all about anyway? I've seen snippets of it. I've never seen a whole episode. But it's just about sinful behavior. Sinful behavior. And it's a really high-rated show. And you think about the Kardashians. Oh, mercy. (laughs) Unbelievable narcissism. Right? It's all about me. Put on a wedding just to push up ratings. It's really bad, but think about three years from now, five years from now, seven years from now. Our society is deteriorating. We could talk on and on about this. But the challenge for us as Christ followers is that we need to embrace Christ more and more. We need to be more intentional about keeping Him in front of us. We need to work hard at doing this or we'll just be swept along by the culture. And each of us, to whatever degree, has been swept along by the culture and its sinful values. And sometimes we don't even realize it. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to point it out to us. But we've got to be conscious about this. And what I've found in my own life at times and other Christ followers is that we don't really have many times a very conscious plan. We have an unconscious plan about how to do Christianity. We say, okay, I should spend some time praying to God every day, so that'll be like five to ten minutes, maybe read a verse of Scripture. And usually we're saying to God, God, I've got this great plan, and I want you to endorse it, and I want you to make it happen, and we're twisting God's arm, and so it's not very helpful, but we're praying. And then we say, and I'm going to try to make church when uh, it works, maybe twice a month, something like that. I, you know, I'll show up and and uh, maybe I'll be involved in a small group or some ministry. And, and so we just kind of go through it and say, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Well, friends, if that's all you're going to do, you're a casual Christian, and you're not going to grow in Christ. You're not going to feel the power of God rush through your life. You're not going to see changes in your interior life because you have got to be radical. We've got to be radical to live within this society and walk with Jesus Christ and live the life that He desires us to live through His power and to be different because we've got our sinful nature working against us. We've got Satan and his culture working against us. We have got to always be working, always be seeking God out. And that's what we're going to talk about, how we can put a plan 
together in order to make this happen on a daily basis. So let's look at this. Uh, the rule of life. We want to develop a rule of life. Now that word rule has some negative baggage <laughs> for us, but it's a positive thing. Rule means uh, trellis in the Greek. Trellis, a framework or structure to help enable us to continually pay attention to God. So here you see the illustration of a, a trellis. And the idea back in that day is that when they grew uh, vines, grapes, that type of thing, is that you had to have a trellis because they have to grow up in order to bear fruit. So the idea is that you had a trellis or a structure in which that growth could take place on. This is most vividly seen in John 15:5, where Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. So Jesus Christ is the power source. And we need to remain connected to him. He's the vine. We're the branches. We bear fruit. And we're on this trellis. We're on this structure, this plan in order to continue to bring us back to the basic truth that we need to abide in Christ. We need to let Jesus Christ flow through us. We need to be in such dependence upon Him that we're living in union with Him. And that takes a long time to, to continually deeper and deeper abide within Jesus Christ. So that's the idea, is that we need to learn to be dependent and we need to have a, a trellis, a structure, a plan to remind us to do that on a daily basis. Let's look at the early church and the trellis that they had. The rule of life. Pentecost had just taken place. The early church had just been born. 3,000 people came to Christ in Acts 2.41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted. Now, that's a key word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the first part of the rule of life. The apostles' teaching to the fellowship that's the second thing. And to the breaking of the bread. That's the third thing. And to prayer. So what they did was, is they went to the temple courts and they heard the apostles teach because they didn't have the New Testament. They hadn't written those letters yet, but they studied the Old Testament scriptures. And then they got together in homes, just like we do. Right? That's where it comes from, smaller groups. They got together in homes and they encouraged one another and shared about their spiritual lives. In fact, the word fellowship means share my definition is Christ-centered relationships. We all have relationships, but is it a Christ-centered relationship? I had a breakfast with a good friend of mine about a week ago, and it was really fellowship that we had together as we were talking about our journey with Christ. That's what a Christ-centered relationship is when you have that common bond. When you're in a small group and you're talking about your spiritual lives, those are Christ-centered relationships. And those are so critical in our spiritual growth. And that's why the church is so important. Just one of the reasons is because God never intended us to do Christianity solo. So, so they had that fellowship. They had to break into the bread like communion like we had last week, remembering Christ's death, remembering what he did, 
for us. And then they had prayer. Prayer was a critical part of everything that they did. We go on in the passage. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Great sense of community here. There's love for one another. Great sense of generosity in verse 45. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were just loving being together with each other. And they had problems just like we do. This is not a Nirvana-type situation, you know. They had all kinds of issues going on in their life. But that's the beauty of the church is that it's a place we can come. Even in the midst of our pain, I was praying with somebody at our last service who was just in so much pain. But she can come here and receive comfort and encouragement and the support that God wants to give her through our family. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of her at three in the afternoon. So there you see the daily office, praying four times a day, morning, midday, mid-afternoon, evening. That was just a regular part of what they did. That was part of their rule of life. So let's sum it up here. The rule of life for the early church They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, that's of course Scripture, fellowship, that in small groups, and maybe have a spiritual friend, uh, many other types of relationships you have, the breaking of the bread, communion, and prayer. These are all so very, very important. Prayer is very important here at Springbrook. We have a wonderful prayer team that is so passionate. Oh, I get together with them, and, and they're so encouraging to me, and they, they just love to pray for you. So when you fill out your program and put down that prayer request, you can know that somebody is praying for you that week. Multiple people are praying for you and your particular need. We have our prayer center after every service, and they want to pray for you. They want to encourage you. I encourage you. Uh, to go there. Not today. We'll have a special prayer time today. But uh, we have special prayer events like next Sunday. You're not going to miss the whole weekend. But in our weekend services, we're going to have a celebration of the series that we've just gone through. We're going to have people talk about what they've learned. It's going to be a very unique service. And then that night at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a praise and Thanksgiving gathering. We're going to have our band up here. We're going to be singing, praising the Lord as well as people are going to be testifying to, again, how God has touched their life and what they're thankful for. It's Thanksgiving. Talking about how God is working in their lives and will be praying as well. So put that on your calendar. Six o'clock. Be here with us to praise, pray, and worship the Lord. And there'll be pumpkin pie, too. Okay? Pumpkin pie. Yeah, I'll be good. So, a uh, wonderful night. Uh, so we love to pray. And that, that, that's part of who we are at Springbrook, and, and we'll talk about that uh, in a moment. But let's look at this word devoted. These are things that they were devoted to. And that, this is what makes it a rule of life. They said, we're going to do these things. We're going to study the apostles' teaching. We're going to 
get together and experience Christ-centered relationships. We're going to celebrate communion on a regular basis. We are going to pray. Now, that's a rule of life. That's a trellis. That's a structure that they are to grow upon. If we looked at Benedict's rule, he's one of the leaders of uh, these communities and is still around today. Uh, you're in terms of uh, these particular people who follow uh, his rule of life. Uh, your way of acting should be different than the world's way. The love of Christ must come before all else. That's the point of having a rule of life. Your way of acting should be different than the world's way. The love of Christ must come before all else. Jesus Christ has to be the center of your life. We read last week, Psalm 27.4. David writes, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Now, Look at this verse. Read it again. And say, how much does this verse describe me? One thing. One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. This is my heart's desire. This is a thing that I'm so passionate about in my life. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I might walk with Jesus here on earth. That I might be in union with him. And then of course for eternity to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Just to enjoy him. Enjoy who he is, enjoy his love for me and to seek him in his temple. Notice how many times the word seek is mentioned there. To seek. The one thing I ask now, if you're really honest, you say, "Okay, that's 100% me." Well, I'd love to talk with you because I want to learn from you. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I am not there. <laughs> yeah. Is that 10% you? Does that describe your life? 50%? 70%? I don't know. But that's where we're going, guys. That's where we want to go as a family is to be seeking after God every moment of the day. To have Jesus on our mind. Now, we have a rule of life here at Springbrook. A rule of life. We have a structure that we ask people to follow. Here it is. Springbrook's rule of life. This is what we teach in our membership classes. Who are members? Members are people who have attended Springbrook and they feel that God has called them to be part of this community. And they say, I'm in. Now, again, there's, there's so many wonderful churches in this area. And thank God for every one of them that are teaching uh, the gospel. But we're all unique in different ways. Now, these would be similar to many churches, this particular rule of life. But every church has a different DNA. It has a different personality. And for those of you who might be visiting and new today, you're picking up a little bit about our personality. And uh, we would love to have you as part of our family. Or maybe you're saying, I don't know, I, it, whatever, you know, I'm... We'll keep looking, you know, you go to a couple different churches and really ask the Holy Spirit. But that's the beauty of having different churches because we all have different personalities. And But the key thing is once you find that church, once God guides you to the family that you say, yes, this is the place, that is when you commit. That is a spiritual step 
of obedience, that spiritual growth that takes place. You say, Lord, no more wandering for me. This is my home, and I am going to abide by the rule of life of this congregation. It's not the perfect congregation, but it's the one that I've found that you've led me to. So, number one, we ask if you're part of this community, that you come every week and celebrate with us in worship. I was talking to our people last night. We're, we're one of the few churches in this area that have a Saturday night service. And, and it's wonderful. It's a totally different experience on Saturday night. You should come. It, it's really fun. It's just more intimate. And I don't know how to describe it. But tell, tell your friends. You know, they work on Sundays, whatever. That's a beautiful ministry that we offer to our community. Most churches don't have Saturday night services anymore. But... The point being here is that we want you here. And even if you can't make it on Sunday, you can come on a Saturday. We try to make it as easy as possible for you to be here on a weekly basis. Twice a month is just not good enough. It's not our rule of life here at Springbrook. And you're not going to grow, I believe, to the degree that you can if that is your pattern. Now, I want to be very clear here. You've got to understand me. Whenever we lay out rules or expectations or things like that, some people can say, okay, well, if I just do these things, then I'm going to grow spiritually, then I'm going to be a good Christian. No, 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 no. It's, it's all about the heart motivation. If you've come today just to check it off your list, if you've come today just to please your spouse, if you've come today because that's just what we do, that's legalism. That's saying, okay, I'm going to go to church and check that off and say I'm a great Christian. No, it doesn't mean you're a great Christian. It just means you showed up. You've got to engage here. You've got to come. And your main motivation is I want to know Christ better. I want to seek Him here weekly. And I'm going to look for Him. Even in a service that doesn't seem to speak to me, I'm going to continue to seek for what it is in that service that, that God wants to say to me, or maybe He's going to talk to you in the atrium or the bathroom. I don't know. But you show up and then God speaks to you. It, it's a structure. You do it on a regular basis, and God works through that if you have an open heart. Now, connecting in a small group, that's also critical. That's how we do church at, at uh, Springbrook. If you hate small groups, this is not the church for you. <laughs> okay? We want to engage in small groups, contributing in ministry, being involved as part of the family here, helping each other grow, ministering to each other's kids, evangelism, having a heart to reach people in your life, to love people to Jesus Christ with a personality and skills and the way you're wrapped, the way He's made you, you can make an impact and bring people to Christ. In giving, saying, hey, this is my family, and my family, their needs need to be met. And therefore, I'm going to sacrificially give. So this is the rule of life of Springbrook. Again, this is a structure. This is, again, things you agree as a member that you're going to do. And if you haven't become a member yet, and you've attended Springbrook for more than a year, and this is your church, again, I ask you to say, ask yourself the question, why? Why haven't you become a member yeah, we have a membership class this afternoon, 3 to 6. Please come out. We have a great time talking, talking about these things and other issues in relationship to what it means to be a member and what Springbrook uh, is all about. So please come. But if you say, well, 
there's still an issue here. Maybe it's baptism. I, mean, I, I want to be baptism, baptized by immersion. I was baptized in some other way. Whatever it is, we've got a baptism class next Sunday that you can come out to at 1030 that Pastor Rich is going to lead and get your questions answered there. But my point is, talk to somebody about it. Your small group leader, a friend. Why aren't you a member yet? What is keeping you from that decision? We only have 180 members and we have a lot more adults attending. So there's something that's keeping you from becoming a member. Explore what that is and then make the choice. Talk to me. Give me a call. One of the pastors. Let's process. Because when a person says, I'm going to be a member, that strengthens our ministry. It's an encouragement to everybody. It's an encouragement to you personally. And we become a stronger community to do the work of God. Now, here's the key one at the end. I just threw in, just for today's purposes, cultivate your own rule of life. This is one area that we need to continue to work on as a church. We've done these other things pretty well. But... The point is that you can do all of those things and you can be engaged, but you're never going to grow beyond a certain level. You've got to cultivate your own rule of life. You have got to engage God with yourself. And that's a challenge, as we've mentioned many times here, is that you're living off somebody else's spirituality. You're listening to me in the studies that I've done. and Okay, that's, I'm, in, I'm learning things like that, but you didn't do the study yourself. Uh, you listened to other sermons. Uh, you pick up a Christian book. It's all second-hand knowledge, right? The only way to really be intimate with God is to experience Him firsthand. To be face-to-face with Him. And that means in prayer. That means in silence and solitude. It means listening to God. That means meditating and let God speak to you in that way. That means trusting Him with the deepest issues of your life. So many Christians live their entire life and it's all secondhand. Well, here at Springbrook, we are going to continue to work on this area in helping you cultivate your own rule of life. And that can be whatever God guides you to. We're not going to say what rule of life you should have. This is our church lattice. This is our church rule of life. But you need to develop your own rule of life. And that's what you're going to be working on this week. You're going to get started with that. We want you to read the chapter. The chapter has all kinds of great ideas in terms of things you can do to develop this, this rule of life. So let's take a look at some of these things. So I want you to take out your green insert. And I want you to write down these things. This is uh, your assignment. By next Sunday, I want you to have some rule of life written out. It doesn't have to be complete or anything. Just start it. That's always the hardest thing of any project, right, is just starting the project. And then once you start the project, say, oh, this didn't take as much time, or this wasn't as hard as I thought. (laughs) Something about starting things. But start. And write down, as as I describe some of these different things, there's more information in the book about things that you can work on. And I only want you to choose two things, because I know some of you people are just type A people, and I want to you know, have a goal in every area. And <laughs> kind of thing, you know. Whoa, slow down, slow down. That's not the way the Christian life works. It's a slow process. So just pick out two things, and pick out one thing that's on the scriptural side, not the scriptural side, uh, one thing that's on the spiritual side of 
increasing your spiritual contemplation, your time alone with God. And then also one thing on the emotional side, and this is one thing we've really hammered throughout the series, is that many times our emotional health stymies our Christian growth. If we don't know who we are, if we're not in touch, if I'm not in touch with Dan Harrison and really know who Dan Harrison is and his emotional struggles and I've identified things in the past that maybe have impacted my life, those kind of things, it's really hard for me to move ahead with Christ in certain areas. So pick out one thing that you're going to improve in your emotional life and one thing in your spiritual life. So let's talk through these. Uh, first of all, we have the area of prayer. Have the area of prayer. Uh, scriptures included uh, in this. Uh, so what are you going to do to get to know Scripture better in 2012? It's a great time to be talking about this stuff, you know, November, December. Ah, new year, a new me. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, you want to uh, maybe read through the Bible. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. Or maybe you said, boy, that really was good for me three years ago. I think I'll do that again. Or maybe you want to really get into meditation. Kind of meditation is, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Uh, But I don't know how to do it, and I don't know how I'd find time to do it. But, well, okay, okay, I'm going to really focus on meditation uh, this particular year and really look at a passage or just a verse or even a word and let God speak to me through that. Now, that might be totally foreign to you, but that's the beauty of this. You see, friends, this is a lifelong process. There is no such thing as balance in life. People who are seeking balance in life are incredibly frustrated. <laughs> it doesn't happen in the sense of how sometimes we pursue it. You know, I've got to spend so many hours this week with the family, so many hours at work, you know, that kind of thing. Now, certainly we should be working in that direction. But you need to accept that your life is always going to be unbalanced. And there's going to be difference of seasons. There's going to be a season in your life when your marriage is really going to flourish. And you're going to bring your marriage up to a new level. And then another area is going to come along. Maybe in parenting. And your marriage remains strong here. And then you focus on parenting. And then another area emotionally might be, let's say, just a personal issue. You know, a hurt from the past that you work on. You just can't work on everything at once. Okay? So, you know, step back, relax, breathe, breathe, okay? I want to say that before we get into this because, again, some of you just want everything at one time. But there's seasons of life. And you just need to take it slowly and say, God, what do you want to do in this season of life? Because if you take on everything at once, you're going to be frustrated because you're not going to get anywhere. All right? Okay. Uh, silence and solitude. That's another one. Maybe that's really been interesting to you and you want to focus on that. So you want to do that you know, throughout the day uh, or maybe one time a day. Well, again, this is your rule of life. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Maybe you want to come into the service 15 minutes early and just sit and be silent before God and prepare your heart. And that's something we need to work on as a church. And I understand everybody's busy and everybody has different personalities about being on time or being late. And, <laughs> you know. But wouldn't it be great if we were all here right at the top of the hour? Huh? Because there's, I tell you, our, our worship people, they work so hard at preparing uh, that time of worship. And it is so rich and it's so fulfilling. Now, th- that's maybe something you want to work on, saying, man, I'm going to be five minutes. I mean, you know how people are who tend to be late. You know, you set your clocks different. and <laughs> All these 
techniques, you know. We'll say, hey, the service starts at Springbrook at quarter to nine or quarter to eleven. And you'll be here at eleven. Whatever it takes, you know what I'm saying? So the point being is, maybe that's what I want to do. I just want to put a priority on this service. And I'm going to be here early, early to pray. And I'm going to be at time. And I'm going to disengage in the whole service. Uh, or uh, the idea of taking a day of prayer, a day, day retreat. Now, that might be too much for some of you. You're not quite there yet, but maybe a two-hour retreat. I don't know. Uh, then to the daily office, that's helped me so much. I mean, I did it intuitively throughout the day, depending on Christ, but really saying, okay, three times a day, I'm going to stop everything, and I'm just going to concentrate on God. I'm going to recalibrate my heart and my soul. I'm going to say I'm dependent on you, God, whatever I'm working through at that particular point. I'm going to give to God. That, that's really been great. So maybe you want to have one daily office. You have your quiet time, okay? But you add the daily office, which is just a time of being and connecting with God. You can do a lot of things with the daily office. So it, it, it's open to your creativity. Now, if you're a by-the-book type person, ask somebody else what they're doing and copy them. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, whatever way, get it done, Okay. Now, um, in regards to uh, the study of God's Word, oh, there's all kinds of online tools. Uh, you just got to be careful you know, <laughs> of what uh, Bible study you're studying and who's it coming from. But uh, you can do that. Uh, you can uh, take courses on how to study the Bible. Uh, you can take a course from like MBI. They have continuing education. Uh, and, wow, what an incredible resource Maybe that's a, 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 something you want to focus in 2012. I am going to really, I'm going to study one book. I'm going to take the book of Hebrews. I'm going to take the book of Matthew. And I'm going to get a couple commentaries on it. And I'm just going to slowly work through it. How about rest, the Sabbath? The Sabbath many times is misunderstood. Sometimes when we think of the Sabbath, and we're not commanded to do the Sabbath. That's for the Israelites, but you know, God did it. So uh, the point being is that we take time, we take one day, and we say, okay, this day is not for work. This day is for rest, renewal, focusing on God. So let's say this is your Sabbath. You're not working today. And therefore, you're just relaxing. You're coming here to worship. And you can go to Chili's on the Sabbath. Did you know that? That's right. You can go to Chili's on the Sabbath. That's okay to do. Well, that's not spiritual. Well, hey, it's renewing yourself. <laughs> Spending time with family. You can watch the Bears game on the Sabbath. That's okay, as long as you get your wife's permission. That's okay, all right, because you're doing it together as a family. Now, you can't watch any other game because that's sinful. Uh, bears are God's team. So that's okay to do on the Sabbath, all right? Uh, you can go for a bike ride on the Sabbath. You need to take some time, though, to be with God, you know, an hour or so, half hour, whatever, just to kind of say, God, this is your day, and... Yeah. Hey, the Sabbath is fun, man. But, but how do we work the Sabbath in? That's something I haven't figured out. I'm still working on it. And, and, and we need to all think about it. And I think even if we just started with an hour, okay, this is my Sabbath. <laughs> just to start again, to get it as a part of our thinking. All right, simplicity. That's a big one. We're, we're just overloaded, guys. We just overload our lives because we want more out of life. We see them experiencing that. I want to do that. Oh, that over there. Yes. And we just, you know, pile these commitments on and we do the same thing to our kids and everybody's stressed out and everybody's angry at each other because we've got so much going on. Let's simplify. Let's back up. What am I going to cut out of my life should be the question next year. What can I get rid of so I can have some time with God and have some sanity? Uh, play and recreation. Talk a little bit about that. Activity, service, and mission. 
serving here at Springbrook, serving outside in the community, care for the physical body. That's a big one. Getting eight hours of sleep. Many of you are cheating yourselves in that way. If you have young kids, forget it. It's never going to happen. But, <laughs> but really, getting the sleep that you need to take care of your body is so important. Now, watching what you eat, exercise, all those different types of things. And relationships. Here comes uh, the emotional health. Uh, again, identifying, okay, I look at my emotional life. Where am I unhealthy? Is it my wife or my husband? Is it, do I need more friends? I don't really have a good friend, you say to yourself. And this year, 2012, I'm going to pray that God gives me a Christ-centered friend. And so you, you follow God's leading and you get involved in different activities here at Springbrook. Who knows where that person is going to come from. But I tell you, if by the end of 2012 you found a really good friend, it's a precious gem that will serve you the rest of your life and bless you the rest of your life. Uh, maybe you need to work on a relationship with one of your kids. Uh, maybe you need to go back to the family of origin issues we talked about. I had a conversation with a young lady last week and just talking about the pain with her father. And she's working through it, man. She's doing the hard work, and it's tough. But she's making progress, and it's going to be a blessing to her in the future. A community is another one. Uh, now, well, I got to read this verse, Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. Jesus says to the, says to to these Jewish people. Now, you got to remember these Jewish people; they were being taught by the religious Pharisees and uh, uh, the priests. Uh, they were given this long list of rules, many which were, aren't even in Scripture, because it was Phariseeism. You got to do all these things, and then you're acceptable to God. Which again, this is not. This is basically how do we make Christ the center of our lives. So Jesus says, don't listen to those Pharisees anymore. You're so bogged down, you don't want anything to do with God. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. He's not talking about people who are stressed out you know, or depressed or anything. He's talking about people who have been living under the yoke of the law. And I will give you rest. I've got a different way, way to live life. I've got a different rule of life. You guys have been misled. Take my yoke, take my rule of life upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, I am offering you a new way to approach life. And it's all centered around me. I want to be within you. I want to go into the deep interior part of your life. I want to do a new work in your life. And you're searching all over the place for answers and looking for satisfaction in life. And it's right here with me. You abiding with me. You just focusing your life around me. And that's what we're going to continue to work on together. So develop your rule of life. Write some things down. Talk about this in your small groups. Next week we'll be having a celebration of the series. We want to do something real special right now. We're going to have a, a prayer time. And we want to pray for you. Uh, prayer, again, is so critical to uh, your relationship with God. And prayer, having someone pray for you is so important. And some of us don't like that. You know, we're kind of you know, we're prideful. All of us are prideful. And if I admit that I need somebody to pray for me, that means that I'm not perfect. Well, everybody knows that. So, <laughs> right? 
so we want you to come forward. And maybe you want to come forward and you're just, all you have to do is come down and sit in these front seats and somebody will come and pray with you. And, and maybe you just want to rejoice today. Maybe you want to rejoice about something good that's happened in your life and, and say, I am so happy today and I want you to rejoice with me in prayer about something that's happened in my life. Or maybe you're having a difficult issue and we want to pray for you in regards uh, to that. So we're going to have our prayer counselors uh, come forward. And they're just going to spend a moment with you. And humbleness is what we need to learn. Transparency. Saying my life isn't all together. You need to come down. And you need just to sit and pray with a person who loves you. Okay? So we're going to do this uh, for the next um, uh, ten minutes. And then I'll dismiss you. And when I dismiss you, I want you to leave quietly. No conversation. And just go out to the atrium and talk. And throughout this period, I want all of us to be praying. You can be in silence. You can be praying about whatever God leads you to pray about. You can um, come forward. That's what we'd like you to do is to come forward. Uh, and then after everyone's dismissed, we're just going to continue to pray. So we don't care if you all want to be prayed for. We'll pray for you. We'll be here till 2 o'clock. I don't care. Uh, but the point is, if you want to stay longer and just pray silently in your seat, that's fine. Okay? So let's go to prayer.